This is the Travel and Van Life podcast from Jits into the Sunset. We're Tanya and Adam, and this is the podcast where we talk all things travel, adventure, and road trips. Through our experience and with conversations with others who, like us, have chosen an alternative lifestyle. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Jits Into the Sunset podcast. We are Tanya and Adam and we are currently parked up in a campsite in beautiful Venice. We have recently left the mountains, the Dolomite Mountains, and swapped them for the beautiful canals. We have. They are both equally beautiful locations for van life, but much, much warmer down by the canals than up in the mountains. It's crazy what a difference driving 2,000 metres down can make. It went from winter to summer uh, in the space of like a couple of days. Yeah, and it's October. Yeah, amazing. I don't know if it's like that all the time here. Probably isn't, but we're very lucky. (laughs) For those of you that are listening to us for the very first time and are wondering, why are they called Jits into the Sunset? That is a fair question. So we are called Jits into the Sunset because we live full-time in our camper van, Jitters, Jits for short. We are travel filmmakers on YouTube, we are podcasters, and we do it all from our tiny little rusty van. This week we have a brilliant conversation to share with you with our friend Will from Will's Whereabouts. He is a fellow traveller, a fellow van lifer, as well as a fellow YouTuber with a really interesting story. Yeah, so Will first started sharing about his travels when he was in Nepal and he got stuck there during lockdown. He speaks about that in this episode and it's fair to say he had a very interesting experience when he was out there. He then later moved back to the UK, started stealth camping in the back of a car, then moved on to van life and has since grown an online community of over 200,000 people. Which is huge. And he did it so quickly, he kind of exploded onto the YouTube scene. One of the reasons why Will has cultivated such a strong following is because he is very open and honest, not only in his YouTube videos, but in particular, I would say, in this conversation. Yeah, it's a very open conversation. Um, Will definitely, it's, it's very personal and he goes into some things that are probably quite difficult to talk about. So fair play to him for that. Thank you so much, Will. Um, we speak a lot about solo travel and the juxtaposition between the fulfillment of self-discovery and how incredibly lonely it can be. And we also speak quite a lot about how YouTube can be quite a toxic place and the effect that can have on mental health. So once again, thank you so much for joining us. We really hope that you enjoy this conversation. If you do, make sure to share our podcast with a friend and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us. Or a rating if it doesn't let you review. <laughs> or a rating would be hugely helpful. Thank you so much for your support. And yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, this is our conversation with Will. From Will's Whereabouts. Will, welcome to the podcast. Firstly, I just I just want to say that uh, as we can see each other on the cameras, you mistakenly thought that Adam and I had just had a shower when in fact we just had really greasy hair. So thanks very much. Some bad life reality straight off the bat. Yeah, I didn't mean to start it by insulting you straight away, but it looked like you know, you'd had a nice shower, so I was quite jealous, to be honest. <laughs> I bet you're not jealous anymore. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> so, uh, well, whereabouts are you? Uh, not in a very glamorous place at all. I'm literally, as I was mentioning to Adam before, I usually keep the van in an industrial estate, which is pretty much where I sleep most nights. But because of the noise and everything, I've just come to a basically a town car park. 
Um, there's shipping containers all around me and I've had to pay two pound parking for an hour. Um, so yeah, it's not the most glamorous van life scene, but, uh, <laughs> we have to make do with what we've got. <laughs> We're going to have to reimburse you. Yeah. You can expense the parking to us, no, mate. If it's a podcast studio destination. If, uh, if a traffic warden comes then I'll have to, uh, yeah, I may have to top up the parking, but we should be all good. <laughs> so let's get, let's get straight into it. Will. you've obviously done quite a lot of traveling over these last few years. Um, and your journey, I don't know if it was the beginning of your travel journey, but the beginning of your YouTube journey and the journey that you've been sharing was in Nepal and you kind of really suddenly exploded onto the YouTube scene with a few like wonderful videos. Um, I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about your time in Nepal and why you decided to go to Nepal and yeah, what, what was it like out there? Yeah, I mean, the intention really to go to Nepal was, uh, I was just doing a, a nine to five sales job in London and I was kind of getting a bit fed up of it. So I've always, not, like travel has always been my escape really. Um, and Nepal's been a country that I've wanted to go to for years because I've had lots of friends that have gone trekking, hiking out there. Um, so really the mountains and that kind of stuff is the reason that I went there. Um, and then obviously it wasn't a great time to go because COVID hit after about two months of my time there. Mm. Um, so luckily I managed to do the Langtang Valley trek, which was about 10 days in the mountains, hiking completely alone, doing something which I've never done before. Wow. Um, and then I then did the Annapurna base camp trek. And halfway through that trek, you started to hear about the word COVID and everything was kind of kicking off. But obviously at that time, you didn't really think it was going to be exactly what it turned out to be. You just thought, all right, it's going to be gone in a week or two. Um, and then basically I came back to Pokhara and the whole country was like the rest of the world was in lockdown. Um, so I pretty much stayed out there for three months during lockdown because I thought there's no point coming back to the UK because obviously there was there was a lot of media stuff going on here. Um, everyone was extremely scared. Uh, you couldn't really do much in the UK, whereas in Nepal you could kind of get away with things a little bit more. Things were less strict is basically what I'm trying to say, um, as you might expect. Mm. Um, and then purely out of boredom is when I started to make the videos. Um, now, I have always had like a... Um, sort of this creative side to me in terms of videos like I used to have a GoPro and we used to go on family holidays and I used to film those videos and you know edit them just purely for fun um, and my intention was especially with Nepal was really to see if I could make um, trekking videos and upload them to YouTube but I never really expected it to to become what it has become today um, and then in Nepal yeah during the COVID it lit my channel literally just blew off I went from pretty much less than a thousand subscribers to by the time I left Nepal after like three months of lockdown to over 70,000, which wow. yeah, was pretty mad, especially uh, in a country like that where towards the end of my time there, I'm walking the streets and people are recognizing me. People are waiting outside the hostel. So it was all pretty bonkers. Wow, that is crazy. What an experience. And, and, and did you take that in your stride? Did you like being recognized or did you just find it a bit odd? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it well, it's very it was odd because yeah, it was it wasn't something that I'd obviously expected to happen. Um one of the weirdest situations was when I was at the hostel. I was actually just FaceTiming my mum catching up on uh catching up with her just letting that letting her know how it how everything was going over in Nepal and then 
like five a group of like five men or Nepalese guys just came up to to the hostel and went oh my god Will's whereabouts oh my god so nice to meet you know like I'm on FaceTime to my mum I was like oh my god this is like another level um <laughs> so yeah that was uh it was a unique experience but um I suppose yeah I, I guess I did take it in my stride and you know pictures and stuff like that but it was all good fun and then obviously coming home it was kind of trying to see where to take it from there really yeah i mean if that's really really interesting i think when we talk about nepal it, it's definitely a, a a country that is on mine and adam's bucket list it's somewhere that we really want to go and i feel really inspired by the fact that you've done those really long treks um especially 10 days that is a really long time and also <laughs> to be doing it by yourself only Earlier this week, Adam and I took on the biggest hike that we've ever done. And that was, that essentially took us two days. We were one day trekking up a mountain. We stayed in a secluded mountain hut. And then the next day we came back down. And as we were doing that, you know, you get a lot of time to reflect on life when you're on these on these hikes and a lot of time uh, in your thoughts and everything. And one of the things that we said to each other is that we want to do more of this. We want to do more of these big treks in different places around the world because it just gives you a different perspective of a place than just kind of hopping from city to city and I'd love to know from you what was there anything in those experiences that you learned about yourself and your time in Nepal before the lockdown um, that maybe some reflections or anything that you would like to share uh, I mean I think one of the biggest reasons why I went to Nepal and I kind of did it a couple of years before when I went to India is that for me my life in, in London the jobs that I was doing I was very comfortable I was earning a half decent salary nothing crazy all I was doing was obviously like a standard nine to five working during the week and then on the weekends you go out with your mates you play football you get drunk and I just thought that is not really the kind of life that I want to be living it, it gets a bit tedious and boring so the reason for example that I went to Nepal and to India previously was because I just wanted to get out of my comfort zone again um, those were the main reasons why I decided to go to those two countries alone as well um, because like you say, when you are up in the mountains completely alone um, and you're just surrounded by these incredible views, you do have a lot of thinking time. And um, anybody that knows me probably realises that if I have too much thinking time, it's not good. But um, I suppose going there also with the intention of filming kind of gave me a purpose on those treks as well. Um, so mm -hmm. I guess I learned for myself that I can go and do these experiences alone and, and take in all the culture. And, and I think I just realized that what I love most about travel, for example, is it's never for me. It's never really about the places as such. It's always about the people, the culture and learning different um, ways that people live and, and, and those types of things, really. Yeah, I, I was always very. Uh, I was impressed in your on your YouTube. It seems that you have uh, picked up. I mean, I don't speak any Nepalese, but it sounded like like y you you managed to pick up a few uh, phrases. It's it sounded very professional to me when I heard it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that, that's all part of it because you can 
uh, as I'm sure you guys know, if you can speak even a few basic words of, of the language of the country that you're traveling in, it just makes such a big difference to the, you know, to the local people and to your experience traveling. You know, if, even if I would walk down the street and I would say, Miro Nam Will, which is my name is Will, the Nepalese people, the smile on their face, would they would just absolutely love it. Um, and just, you know, asking basic things like, how are you and stuff. So it does make a big difference if you can just speak a few, a few basic words. Yeah, I mean, they can see that you're making an effort. And I think that means a lot to people when you're in their country. So yeah, fair play to you for doing that. It seems from your videos that you also really immersed yourself in the culture in some ways, like the way that you went and ended up donating money for people to buy rice because of the videos you were making. You made a day in the life with a, a Nepalese farmer video. I don't know if you wanted to talk about that period of the filmmaking because that was during lockdown, right? Yeah, exactly. So that, yeah, that was during the lockdown. I can't remember. I think it probably was about a month into it. And obviously Nepal, it doesn't have the government structure and, and the support and help that you get in Western countries. It's, you know, the support they get over there is pretty much, you need to look after yourself. Um, and obviously with COVID going on, uh, people weren't really allowed out to go and do anything. I, for example, when I had to go and get food, um, because there were police on the street and, and stuff, you, you literally had to knock on a shack door and basically beg them to feed you because there were just so many rules and restrictions in place. But how it came about when I was, um, working with the farmer Krishna is I just went for a walk by the lake and, uh, I saw him doing his, his farming and stuff. And uh, I was just probably watching them for like an hour and he just called me over and said, oh, do you want to come and help? Huh. Uh, and then I said, oh, I can't today. So I'll come back tomorrow. And, and can I film it? Because I thought, wow, this, you know, it's just such a unique experience to to see people <laughs> farming in that type of way with a, you know, a bull and just this kind of massive wooden mechanism behind which plows the field and stuff. Um, so anyway, I went back the next day, um, took the camera with me and just got stuck into that kind of experience and those for me are like the kind of memories and the things that I appreciate the most is doing those things with locals um, because it's you know that those are not type of experiences that you can really get um, in England for example just going to a country like Nepal and uh, and farming so uh, and then again in terms of the donation because obviously I was making a bit of money from YouTube nothing crazy at all um, but that video absolutely blew up and I thought it wasn't right for me to keep that money to myself. I think it was only like a hundred pounds or something. Um, so I decided to go back to the farmer because, you know, he was obviously the one that taught me and showed me um, and basically took me in for the day. You know, I went back after the day of farming. I went back to his house and I had dinner with him and his family. I met his daughter and yeah. I gave them um, 10,000 rupees. Again, I can't remember exactly what the... Uh, the exchange rate in that is now and then the rest of the money i drove around with a friend on a bike and we just uh donated the money to some of the people that i thought it would it would benefit to help them buy rice and stuff and i don't know it's uh you know you, you've got to be careful because i didn't want people to think that i was doing it purely for the video i wanted to make sure that it was coming across in a genuine way which is why i was mm -hmm. trying to find the right people to give the money to because you know there were people there for example that they literally had a bag of rice to feed a family of 10 and they're living in a tiny little shack so that was the intention with that i just didn't feel like i deserved that money it was you know it should it should go back to the people that are actually in the videos and and helping me create those videos
Yeah, that's really inspirational. And Tanya and I were speaking about it earlier this morning, how watching your videos has inspired us moving forward with our films when we're visiting places that aren't so well off, not just to show off the beautiful country, but also to show the other side of these countries. And that is that there are people there that are struggling. And I think that's what you did really, really well. And it's easy as a tourist to go there, be completely sheltered from <laughs> this and not and like completely ignore it almost and just, you know, go down the tourist route and fly out again. And, you know, so little of your money, even though tourism obviously helps the economy, so little of that actually gets to the people that can really need it. So the fact that you were giving directly to these people, it's, yeah, it's like the most effective way of giving charity it's just directly to the cause so i think yeah it's it's incredible yeah exactly and, and just as an example i remember there was a guy um when we we're on the bike just cycling around trying to kind of you know find suitable people or, or ju just to have a chat with people because i had a nepalese friend with me who could obviously translate so i was kind of engaging in conversation with these people to understand what their life was like during covid and stuff but there was just a local guy fishing in i can't even call it a river or a stream it was <laughs> I don't even know what the word you would... It was just the most pathetic piece of water. Um, but he basically, he was fishing and he pulled out... I, I said to him, you know, what have you caught today? And it was, it looked like a worm. And he said, oh, you know, that's going to feed feed me and my family. Mm. And um, anyway, I gave him some money. And, and again, like, I could just see how much he appreciated it because he was then able to to get rice and stuff. Because dal bark, for example, is what they, they eat in Nepal. So it's just basically rice, lentils and, and vegetables and stuff. Absolutely delicious. But mm. even that little bit of money just enables them to, you know, to go on for a few more days. And uh, considering that guy had caught very little and the government, as I said, just weren't doing anything to really help any of these um, these local people. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, the juxtaposition of that. Like, I remember I was on a shoot. I, I used to do this job every year in Malaysia, and it would be a sailing event, and we'd go in December, which was the monsoon season out there at the time, and we'd drive through this little village past these, like, shacks that are on stilts in the water um, obviously very very poor people and then suddenly we'd get to the event site where there'd be all these flags all these really massive brands and this crazy big building that was only used once a year for this event mm. and empty for the rest of the year and it was just I just remember being there and thinking this is absolutely crazy and there was one year we were there when the monsoon was particularly strong and there was a flood in the village of the shacks that I was talking about on the, on the stilts. And I think like uh, two or three people died in the floods. And I just remember thinking like, what are we doing? What's all this money going? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's just mad. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a very strange world sometimes. Um, another example, I remember when I was in India, obviously I went to see the Taj Mahal, one of the most iconic buildings in, in the entire world. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you guys have been to India, but behind, I can't remember the name of the river, but is the most polluted, poor river I've ever seen. Like plastic and trash and everything just behind one of the most like iconic buildings. And I couldn't believe the contrast from literally 100 metres away from, from the Taj Mahal is one of the most disgusting, unkept, like poverty rivers and, and the local people as well. So it's, yeah... It's um it's a w weird world sometimes when you go to places like that and you you see these things, but it's it's eye opening, which is is why I like to kind of travel to those developing third world countries. Yeah, 
it does make you wonder where the money goes, doesn't it? Yeah. Because obviously the Taj Mahal will bring in so much money and that event, the sailing event I spoke to you about, that obviously would bring in so much money. But where does that money go? Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's getting to the people who are right there geographically who obviously need it. Yeah, it's, yeah it never seems to. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting, like I said, when we were watching your your video um, on, and how you contributed to the locals in that way and that you know with that gesture, is that it very much has inspired Adam and I and we started a dialogue about it because we, you know, travel filmmaking is what we love very much like you. It is a creative outlet. It gives us a purpose. We see the world in a different way mm. as well. We just get really excited by it. And I think, you know, marrying that with a, a, also a purpose and also highlighting the reality and also ways that we can use our skill set, which would be filmmaking, to to help and enable um, people that that need help the most is something that we strongly, strongly feel inspired after watching your video. So we want to thank you for that. And mm. um, it's definitely something that we're going to be taking going forward because, you know, we've, we've said it before in the podcast is that um, this being our last trip in JITS um, here in Europe, we are planning on going backpacking. Yeah. So um, going and backpacking to India, Nepal, Bhutan. Uh, we want to go to Japan also. I'm coming with you, by the way. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, you don't have a choice. Yeah, well, great because it's so funny because just like you know, watching your videos, like we know that we would get on so well. Yeah, absolutely, and, yeah. and we bring a football, mate. I know you're missing football, so am I. We we take a football around with us. Oh yes, I'm bringing that. Oh no, you guys would make some awesome videos out there as well, especially to those countries. Um, just just quickly rewinding back to Nepal. Yeah. In your last video there, when you were leaving, you said that your plan was never to go back. You didn't want to go back to London. I'm just wondering, why is it that you didn't want to go back? And what was your plan when you left to Nepal? Yeah, so when I left to Nepal, I had a visa for Canada. Um, and my plan was to, after Nepal, after doing a couple of months out there trekking, was to go you know, and try and set up a life in Canada, I suppose. Um, but obviously, because of COVID, that didn't happen. Um, it wasn't possible to go to Canada. And then because of everything that's happened, um, my visa expired. So I didn't really... It, it got to a point in Nepal, for example, where COVID was becoming obviously a more and more serious thing that, you know, my parents and family and stuff were getting worried that if, for example, I got ill out there, am I going to be looked after particularly well in, in a Nepalese um, hospital compared to just coming home and, you know, if I get ill here, then I can uh, be looked after a little bit better. So, um, yeah, that was the reason for coming back to London. Eventually, after I think three or four months, I just got a repatriation flight um, back home. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess the main reason was because I, I didn't want to come back because I had other travel plans and ambitions and countries that I wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. And then... <laughs> I really think that because of COVID and stuff, my lust and my love for travel is, has gone. So I'm in a very, honestly, if you'd met me a few years ago, all I wanted to do was travel. But now I'm in a very different headspace and, and frame of mind, which I'm very much still trying to figure out at the moment. Yeah, and that that was something we definitely wanted to get into. Um, you realised a lot of that through your time doing solo van life. Um, but before, maybe before we get there, if we talk about how van life started off for you, because obviously van life hasn't been a completely rosy journey for you, but obviously something inspired you to start it. And 
you obviously enjoyed it and you, you started stealth camping in a car. And we've actually got a question from someone in the Instagram community, Dan Watson. He asks, what happened to the Ford Galaxy? Oh, I actually sold it to a subscriber. Um, <laughs> so I think I'd put it up on, oh, I think it was Instagram or, or something like that. And anyway, yeah, someone, uh, it was a uni student. I think he went to Leeds or something. So he came and uh, he came and bought it and he'd watched the videos and he wanted to go out, uh, you know, on some mini adventures and because it had everything basic that you needed in it. Um, so yeah, he just, uh, he bought it and yeah, the uh, the car, the Ford Galaxy went, but uh, yeah, it was, it was time for me to move on to bigger and better things in terms of getting the van and stuff. So can you just talk a bit about your experience of stealth camping in the Ford Galaxy? <laughs> well, you see, this is, this is another thing. So I feel like with my YouTube career, even if I can call it that. <laughs> I think you can call it that. <laughs> well, yeah, but I've, I've gone into two things which have kind of blown off quite quickly. So, for example, with Nepal, those videos kind of shot off quite quickly. And then with the stealth camping, so I came back from Nepal. My dad had this Ford Galaxy seven-seater car sitting on his on the drive. He hadn't used it for years. In fact, we used to use the car when um, we went on family holidays down to France. Um, and because I've got quite a big family, there's uh, five kids and like my parents and stuff. So we needed that car. Anyway, the car hadn't been used for years. It was sitting there kind of rotting away. There were trees and plants growing inside it. And I thought, again, it was COVID. So there wasn't really anything to do. I had no way of of really getting a job. My My old job, for example, wouldn't take me back because nobody knew what was going on. Um, so I decided, right, I'm going to see if I can continue YouTube because at this point I was making a little bit of money from the videos in the pool and I wanted to see if I could try and transition that into some sort of UK audience. Um, so I ended up semi-converting this car with a, putting a bed in it and I had a little gas stove and stuff. And purely for, for fun, for a way to escape um, and also, I suppose, as a way of earning a bit of money and just seeing if I could build that UK audience, I would just go to, <laughs> God, this sounds so sad, dogging sites, you know, uh, <laughs> supermarket car parks, all of that kind of stuff and just film those little adventures. And it wasn't until I think I did a video in London um, and then this whole stealth camping thing just went absolutely crazy and and people love it even even till this day even though it's it's not stealth camping in a van but yeah that's how it kind of all started in in that car and it just kind of took off from there We just want to quickly interrupt to say that if you're enjoying this podcast or find it valuable, then you can help support it by joining our Patreon community, which is linked in the show notes. As well as supporting this podcast, you'll be given access to exclusive content such as behind the scenes, our latest updates and deleted scenes. We don't get paid to do this podcast, but the support from our patrons makes it possible for us to continue. And we appreciate our patrons so, so much. We've got a great question here from Mike who asks, what was your motivation to live in a van? Uh, so again, it wasn't, it wasn't really something that I actually thought I would live in the van full time. And uh, I need to put a disclaimer out there because I do not live in the van full time. I live in it probably four or five days a week. Mm -hmm. um, I always, I always, I guess like a lot of people, the idea of van life and stuff, again, I don't want to keep referring back to it, but you know, it became popular because of COVID and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was just a gradual progression from kind of the car to get the van, to build it. And don't get me wrong, I would absolutely love to travel the world in this van. But something I'm sure we'll go into a little bit later is, for me, I don't want to do that solo. Mm -hmm. um, so for the moment, I'm living in it. But I'm living a very different van life to probably a lot of people and to 
what you see on social media and YouTube. You know, you see a lot of people traveling to amazing, beautiful places. Whereas for me, for example, I'm literally living in the van in one place in an industrial estate and just trying to live a normal life while sleeping in a van, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not the dream van life, which, uh, people, you know, have this image of in their heads. Yeah. So what, I guess you've spoken quite a lot about it in your videos about how you've been struggling with van life, particularly, I think recently, I'm not sure how long it's been going on for, but I'd say a month or so, month or two. And do you just want to talk a bit about that? How, cause you feel like you're, when you're traveling around in the van, you feel like you miss the routine, you miss company. It's all stuff that Tanya and I can, can really relate to, but obviously you doing it on your own brings another dimension to that. So I'm wondering if that's something you'd like to, to tell us about. Yeah, I mean, definitely, because I think, as we all know, that when you watch videos and stuff you and you you don't do it for, for a living, for example, people think that it's, it's like that every day, but it's really not. It's So I... When I finished building the van, which is what I was making the videos on, I was kind of very petrified, to be honest, of what next in terms of content, what am I going to film? Because I knew that my biggest fear was doing solo van life. Because for me, I don't, I can enjoy time by myself, but too much time is another level for me that's when my head goes into overdrive i start thinking all sorts of stupid thoughts and i don't like being alone because one people probably don't even know this i'm a twin so there's got to be something there psycho uh, psychologically mm. also i come from a big family of five um and van life is very very different to backpacking let me tell you because as you guys will know, when you are traveling and backpacking, you walk into a hostel, you meet people, you know, you can speak to people all the time. You, you go off on mini adventures with, the, with those people, but van life and driving six, seven hours, eight hours alone, and then parking up somewhere is, is a very solitude, lonely life, um, in a non-depressing way. I'm trying to, uh, make it positive, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not always what, what people think it is and and for me for example i went to cornwall uh what was it probably like two or three months ago and i went to one of the most beautiful um campsites that i've ever been to um it was stunning like there was the the, the river was was flowing through the campsite it was like a beautiful summer's day and i got there and i was just like this is just awful like i absolutely hate this why am i here because mm. one i was there because i felt like i had to because of youtube i felt like people want to see me actually traveling but I, I genuinely did feel very low and almost depressed because I was there like, why am I here? There's, there's no point. I'm not sharing these adventures or these experiences with anyone. Um, and since then, I think that's probably why at the moment, the way I'm doing this whole van life thing is I'm staying in one place surrounded by my friends and my family and trying to build a bit of routine and structure. For example, I play football every Saturday. I'm trying to um, get back into the gym and stuff. So I'm trying to build routine and structure um, and be in a place which is comfortable in areas that I know just because at the moment I don't have any urge or desire to, to travel. And, and as I said, that is because I don't want to do it alone. It's just not fun for me or enjoyable. Yeah, I... I I think that there's going to be a lot of people that will be able to resonate with that because you're absolutely right that when you are traveling and you're backpacking and you're um, you're going to hostels, you're you're getting to meet other people and you're getting to have conversations and 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 I don't think that it's about not 
being content or comfortable being alone. But I think there comes a point where everybody, like you want to experience things with other people. And I do remember watching your videos where, where you were saying that. It's just like, it's not the same feeling going wild swimming and just doing it completely by yourself where you can't share that experience with others. And yes, you are filming it for YouTube and other people are there, but- uh, It's but, not the same, you know, yeah. if you're a fly on the, Of course it's not the same. If you're a fly on the wall, it is literally you and your camera, an inanimate object that you're pointing at yourself. And also, you know, to add another layer to it, you're also filmmaking. And, you know, when we look at your films, like, you know, you're, you're, you're shooting the, the B-roll, you're getting the drone up, you're doing all of these things. At least when Adam and I are doing it, like we're very much like we're, you know, we're a team and energy levels will always fluctuate. Moods will fluctuate. So if one person is feeling energetic and the other one not so much, you get to balance each other out. Whereas you have to take all of that onto yourself. So I really do think that, um, you know, there's, um, there's, there's, you deserve a lot of credit for all of that because Absolutely. not, yeah, not only are you doing the filmmaking and everything, but the, the driving, the, the cooking, the, the chasing the resources, the, um, the experiencing all of these things. I think anybody, myself, Adam included, we would be feeling very much the same as you are. We, we need, we're social creatures and that's such an important part so you to connect with others. I can, obviously, I completely agree with what, what everything you've said there, Tanya, and it's, and you know, people will comment on the videos, for example, and say, oh, you know, you need to love yourself, <laughs> you know, love spending time alone, but it's not that for me. I do enjoy my own company and, you know, don't get me wrong, there's times when I don't want to be surrounded by people and I just want to do my own thing. But like you say, we are social beings and stuff and for me that the whole van life is so far from backpacking and walking into hostels and then you add the filming on top of it and it's my brain as I'm sure you guys know when you're filming stuff the brain doesn't stop um, and I have to admit this I am so envious of people like you and Adam for example um, you know travel beings Alex and Emma and all of these couples that I see traveling because I'm just like ah, oh, god I wish I could have somebody to do that kind of stuff with and help me with the filming not just help me with the filming but the companionship you know somebody to explore those adventures with um, but that's something I can't force. That will come in time. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not as easy as people think it is, um, especially alone all the time. Absolutely not. Because you get, when, when you're doing it with someone, you share the hard part of everything as well as the good part. And I don't know, have you seen or read uh, Into the Wild? Uh, I've seen the uh, the film, yeah. Yeah, so the, so the whole message from that at the end really is that the guy realises that, and there's the quote here, he says, happiness is only real when shared. And I think that's kind of maybe slightly what you're learning at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I couldn't agree with that more because, for example, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went up to the Lake District with a, with a good friend of mine um, from school and... Again, I was filming it, but it was just so much more enjoyable being able to do that with somebody else. Yeah. Um, so it, it does make a hell of a difference. And it is, you know, people would say, oh, why don't you get someone to come with you all the time? But that's that's not really the point. People can't. People have their own lives and stuff. So I guess I'm just trying It's trying to find that balance of and, and, and trying to make it work. But I'm still uh, figuring that one out for the moment.
Yeah, I could see it. We we watched your video in, in the Lake District, and you know, even when the things went wrong, like you ran out of gas and had to cook your food in the yeah, rice cooker, it, it's just funny. Yeah, yeah, it became funny and it became fun because you were doing it with someone. That could just be a bit of a nightmare, and you wouldn't necessarily see the funny side as much if you were doing that on your own. It'd just be like, oh god, another thing to deal with. Yeah, but having exactly. being able to share that with someone, I think, really helps lighten it and lighten the moment. And yeah, you're you're very honest in your videos, and I think that's one reason why if anyone listening isn't following you why it's worth going over and looking at your videos not the only reason of course but you're very open and you're very honest and you talk a lot about the mental health side of solo van life because van life in general but I also think solo van life can be over glamorized in quite a lot of ways especially like you know because there is that side of it like there are some positive sides of it i'm sure and i've never personally traveled on my own but i really do i want to at some point tanya and i have both said that we want to do some little solo trips at some point because it's something that we've never done um yeah i wonder if what what are the what are the positives for solo travel that that you've experienced well well for me if if we just move away from the van life stuff um for instance the even when i backpacked solo it is honestly like this sounds so cringy and cliche, but it, it has made me the person who I am because I've always been a bit of an extrovert and quite confident anyway. But um, having to force yourself to go meet people and talk to people, mm-hmm. uh, it just builds a lot of sort of resilience and self-confidence and sort of personal skills. Um, obviously, the ben- the main benefits are, I suppose, you can do what you want when you want. Um, yes. But at the moment, the negatives of solo van life for me are outweighing the positives but only because I'm at a very different stage in my life for example when I was much younger like I've traveled since I was 19 on and off until I was about 24 25 um I was in a a very different frame of mind in the sense that I just wanted to travel solo and meet people in hostels um I didn't really want to travel with friends but now I'm as I'm getting older and kind of maturing in my life I want to experience those memories with people close to me and friends and stuff um there's pros and cons to both but i'm just in a a stage of my life now where i would rather wait until the right opportunity or the time comes to travel with somebody yeah yeah absolutely and actually just a, a point that you that you brought up there about um you know, spending time alone traveling. Adam got it wrong. I actually have done one solo trip uh, myself. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before we met. You'll have to do a Mr. and Mrs., won't you, just to uh, see how well you know each other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, before before we met, I um, I did a ten day backpacking trip, uh, Italy actually, yeah. and uh, I flew into Naples and I had a return flight um, uh, from uh, coming out of Milan, and I absolutely loved it. And the biggest takeaway from that for me was that I realised that in my life I'm I'm quite easygoing. I I would also say I'm a people pleaser. Um, I like to make sure that you know everyone around me is happy. And often one of the things that my friends will say whenever we've gone on holidays has they've always been like, oh wow, like you're so laid back because I and I think what what it, like what surprised them was that up until then or I should say at that time, I would have had really high pressure jobs with lots of responsibility. And so I think it might have just been assumed that on a holiday, I would be really switched on. And when people would ask, like, what do you want to do? I'd I'd just be like, 
whatever you want to do. Don't ask me. I don't mind. If you want to spend five minutes at the pool, if you want to spend, you know, the day at the beach, I would just go, yeah, no worries, no worries, no worries. And I do. That, 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 that is how I am. And I enjoyed that. But what I've realized when I was on that backpacking trip is that... You know, when I'm on a hike, I like to take my time and stop and take a picture if I want to. I like to um, maybe I, I didn't mind waiting 45 minutes so that I could go to this this restaurant in Cinque Terre where I could have a beautiful view that, you know, you know, I had to queue for ages. But like, I think if I was with somebody else, they would have said, oh, we're hungry now. Uh, can we just go eat? Do we really have to go there? And it's really interesting because you start to find out a bit about yourself. Like, what are your priorities? What do you value? How do you like to travel? And so I guess in a roundabout way, it's just saying like, yeah, you do, you learn a bit more about yourself and um, it, there's definitely those pros to solo van life and I also made a friend in a hostel who I then ended up going on a beautiful hike and it was actually one of the first times that I properly went on a hike and I realized wow I really love this feeling and so yeah meeting people as well as learning about yourself are definitely one of the positives about uh, of doing solo travel for sure. The memories that you kind of make solo as well are um I don't know, they always mean a lot more in those moments where you learn about yourself in terms of if you get into a sticky situation and it's only you that you can count on to kind of get yourself out of it or work through the situation. Yeah, you, you definitely learn a lot about yourself, uh, especially doing things alone because you're not having to rely on somebody else to kind of reassure you or make decisions for you. We just want to quickly interrupt this conversation with this week's review of the week, which is titled Jits Does It Again. And this is left by Devin's mom, who wrote, Highlight of my week is listening to you guys with your refreshing take on life and fabulous talking points. Every week, I am more inspired to live my life to the full, not worry about the small stuff and make the most of every minute. Thanks for making such a difference. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> this is the first time Adam's reading this one. That is a lovely review. Thank you very much, Devon's mum. Yeah, and make sure to message us on Instagram so that we get your details and send you across a sticker. We'll post it from here in Italy. And yeah, just thank you so much for taking the time to leave the review. Everyone who does, um, we read them all. We appreciate it. And it is hugely helpful to, to the growth of our podcast. It gets the word out there. So you've spoken a lot about the things you miss out on. Um, in, I guess you could apply these things to travel in general, but you're more specifically talking about recently when you've been doing van life. Things like, you know, football, hanging out with your friends, having a bit of a routine. That's something that Tanya and I, we speak about quite a lot. And I guess essentially it's the sacrifices we're willing to make to be able to do full-time travel because whatever full-time travel we do we're going to be missing out on you know the benefits of having roots and being in one place so i'm wondering how do you feel about all that stuff at the moment and what does that mean about what you're wanting to do next like is full-time travel something you want to do or do you want to be based somewhere for a while so yeah this this is an interesting one because uh, i can tell you now if i oh god this sounds again so cringy but if i <laughs> met someone tomorrow that was like my ideal partner girlfriend whatever and uh she she wanted to travel i would but click my fingers and i would go if she said right let's go and travel the world i would go mm. um 
So maybe that says a lot about me. But at the moment, because that's not my current situation, my priorities right now are the structure and the routine of playing football and going to the gym and being in areas that I'm familiar um, with because, like I say, that that desire to solo travel and living full-time on the road and full-time travel isn't something that I want to do alone. And of course I can... So my ideal situation, I suppose, right now is to pick and choose those moments when the opportunity comes to travel with people, go and take them. Yeah. When the opportunity isn't there, come back to where I am now, for example, and and get back into that routine. So I, I say it all the time, the key to life is balance and it's yeah. just trying to, I'm very much trying to find that balance. Um, but yeah, I, if definitely 100%. If I met somebody and you know they had a desire and urge to travel, then I would have no problem in just saying, right, let's go. This is sounds like a, your advert on a, yeah, a Bumble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh god! Any single ladies? You need to get yourself on Bumble, mate, because that's how Tanner and I met. I know. Yeah. Honestly, though, there are there are there, you live in London as well, so there will yeah. be millions of people out there who millions of Adam, women throwing themselves. They're probably queuing now, mate, as they listen to this podcast. <laughs> What's your address? Adam. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Honestly, Adam, you say this, right? But the people the people that you meet traveling are very much a completely different... I don't want to offend anyone. Different type of person to the, to the kind of regimented nine-to-five person you'd meet in London who's focusing on their career and stuff. Um, yeah, well, they're in a different so, part of their life, I guess, yeah. if they're full-time traveling. Yeah, exactly. So maybe I need to... Uh, maybe I need to go on the road and I'll meet someone on the road. Who knows? Or I'll just need to convert someone. The, yeah, yeah, one or the other. So the la, the la, in the last episode, we were talking about um, how we were talking to Beth about how she met Jake, and we came round to the quote is that to find love, you need to do what you love. So to find people who are passionate. Mm, I know. I I listened to that. Oh, did you? Well, there you go. That's. I yeah, mean, I heard, I heard that quote. So maybe if you were, because you were traveling, and then you went immediately into lockdown, so you didn't really have the opportunity to to meet that many people i assume so maybe you just need to go back maybe do some more backpacking get away from the van because the van because you're so self-contained i mean that's the amazing thing about van life but it obviously is the thing that also makes it hard to socialize is that it's quite a self-contained individual way of traveling um whereas if you were to go backpacking as we've spoken about before that's how you meet people so yeah who knows maybe that's something but obviously i, I know i, I have uh, i have thought of that option because my my uh, my twin brother he's just gone back out to australia or he is going in a few months he's just gone to argentina to see his girlfriend um but he said to me what you know will why don't you come out um back to australia and you know i could go out there and do another year of of yeah. working and traveling and it's yeah it's very much an option um so i'm just i'm kind of just playing things by ear at the minute and what opportunities come up i'll you know i'll kind of see and then make a decision from there there's no real set plans or ideas at the minute i'm just very much going with the flow yeah well i can see that like it's funny because sounds like you're in a kind of situation where you're I don't know what the word is. You're in a bit of a limbo. You're not quite sure yeah, about but... <laughs> which direction to take. And obviously in one sense... This is me, though, my whole life. Is it? Okay, well, I was going to say that in one sense, it's kind of can feel very scary and intimidating. But on the other side, it's actually really exciting because you're at a crossroads now and you can take so many different routes. And like judging by your character and how you've taken things in your stride, like COVID in Nepal, and you know, you've now got a massive really incredibly strong youtube community 
you whatever ro road you now take will be an exciting one i think so i think even though you feel maybe a bit in a rut at the moment the yeah. future's bright for Will's whereabouts. Yeah, and also, you know, the, <laughs> and also there's um, uh, with each crossroads, knowing that there's always like life is all about pivoting, right? And uh, just because you choose one direction doesn't mean that that's the one that you have to commit. You can decide. Exactly. That, yeah, like I, I know that you recently talked about your intention to um, to return to Nepal, go, you know. Do more of the Himalayas, all of that stuff. And actually, we've we've got a question here from Joom Choom. Joom Choom. At Joom Choom. At Joom Choom. Are you planning to go to Nepal next year? So you know, maybe let's talk. Let's talk about that. And if um, when when you are ready, I guess to to travel. What are what are the countries that that do excite you? Yeah, I mean, see, this is mad because two weeks ago I was set on the idea that I was going to go to Nepal. And then I can be quite up and down sometimes in my in my thinking, my mindset, the ideas that I have. I have a lot of ideas, um, life ideas, which sometimes is a good thing, sometimes is a bad thing because I don't follow through with them. But yeah, one of those ideas was to go to Nepal next month in November. Nothing has happened in terms of that. I've not booked any flights or anything. But Nepal, for example, is definitely a country, uh, a country sorry, that I want to go back to because the main trek that I actually wanted to go and do there was the Annapurna circuit. Um, circuit. But because of COVID, uh, mm -hmm. obviously that couldn't happen. So Nepal would probably be priority number one to go back, do that trek, because that was the reason I wanted to go there. And also to Pakistan. Um, that's a country that is high on the list. Again, and those types of countries, just because of the culture difference and the, the culture shock that you experience, the locals, the people, um, and some of the adventures that you can have, they're quite, or they can be quite unique. Just, I'm referring as well to my time in India and stuff and Nepal, those developing countries are the countries that really do appeal to me a lot. Um, and when, when I, you know, I say to my friends that I'd quite like to go to these countries, they think I'm mad. They'd rather go to Portugal and sit on a beach, but I don't know. I just find it far more interesting to go to countries like that and actually have real travel experiences with local people. So, um, yeah, probably Nepal and Pakistan and a, Apart from that, I haven't really thought too far ahead, really. That's, yeah, beautiful. It kind of sounds like the difference between going on a holiday and going traveling and making it part of a lifestyle, isn't it? Like going, like you say, going to Portugal and sitting on a beach, that's a holiday. Going to somewhere like Nepal or Pakistan, that's like you are going for an experience, not just a, a relax. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and I've got a friend who uh, I was going to go to um, Nepal with in November, and I said to him, "Look, let's we usually we will go away skiing or something." And I said, "Mate, come on, let's go and have like a proper adventure." that we can, you know, we can go and do together. And these are experiences that we'll remember forever. It's those are the type of holidays that you want to call it that you will remember when you're bloody 80 years old rather than sitting on a beach in Portugal. Oh, man, I really hope No, we... no offence to anybody that does that. <laughs> of course, of course, there's nothing wrong with sitting on a beach in Portugal. Um, no, but no. I love how you talk about travel and I really hope that we get to do a trip together at some point. I think it'd be so good. I think we'd have such a good time. We're going to make it happen now. <laughs> We're going to make it happen. I also kind of selfishly quite hope that you're still in London uh, in December when we're because we're going to be back in December for like a week or so before before we go off backpacking. So I hope that that works out so we can catch up and have a drink and plot some plans. Yeah, yeah, that sounds exciting, definitely. 
We've spoken about how YouTube is a brilliant creative outlet, both for yourself and for us, and how amazing it can be to cultivate this community that rallies behind the the travels and the adventures, and 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 actually, in in many ways, can um, alleviate those feelings of of loneliness because you very much feel that love, that support, and the comments and the DMs, and it's something that. I know that you definitely don't take for granted. It's something that Adam and I really appreciate. And it's probably one of the things that really keeps us driven to continue to share when, when you know that it's appreciated and it, and, and it, and it touches people's lives in, in different ways. Um, so there's a lot of good that comes with sharing on YouTube. Um, there's also that sense of when you're doing YouTube and it's very hard for friends and family and anybody else that isn't in that world to be able to relate to what we do. And, you know, we often talk about how when you're sharing online, if you're doing a good job, it can kind of just seem like you're just off on a jolly, like you're just off having a good time. But, you know, when we're watching your videos, it is absolutely not lost on us all of the time and the effort that it takes to think about how you tell the story, right? How do you show somebody or the people at home your day, setting up the tripod, making sure that you're getting different shots, speaking to camera, getting the drone up, all of the things that 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 entails and you have to do that by yourself and it can really take a toll um i i'd love to talk to you about that yeah i mean like you say that there's a lot of people that that will watch youtube videos and you know they think you press record and and that's it the the video goes up um now my videos are nowhere near as good as as you as you guys and, and many others out there. Don't but say that they're, they're, they're so as much... good. They're, they're just good. They're just a different style. But they're, your videos are great. They're different. Yes, they're yeah, really different. Good as well. But but yeah, there's as you guys will know, there's a lot that goes into it. For example, when I was filming my van build, God Almighty, the amount of times I just wanted to like just give up because you know to to try and make a half decent video in my opinion what helps is different camera angles and different variety of shots and stuff mm-hmm. so to move the camera every time i'm screwing in a bolt or or screwing in a screw <laughs> every single time doing that alone is like it drives me flipping mad um and then <laughs> like i made a lot of van build videos not intentionally but it's just because that whole process was so tedious in one trying to actually build the van not knowing what the hell i was doing then trying to film that and trying to give like educational informative information on top of that so people watching the videos are actually getting some value from it um it drove me crazy and i <sighs> there's been many times where i haven't found a balance between waking up and filming that I've got to film everything and then actually picking and choosing um, what I film. So the other day, uh, this was a kind of a bit of a weird, surreal moment. Um, my mum, she lives in Austria. I haven't spent a huge amount of time with her because she lives over there, but she's back now for a couple of months. Um, so she wanted to go out in the van and spend some time. Now, my eyes instantly went to cha-ching, cha-ching. This is a video that could get a hundred thousand views and it would do well in terms of business for the for the videos people would love it because people always like it when you introduce like family members and people close to you um in the videos but i thought wow that is that is sick that i've seen my mum as like a business opportunity Mm -hmm. um 
So I, I decided not to film it because I was just like, yeah, man, this is just not right. And uh, I don't know. So I go through these weird phases of sometimes I feel like I have to film everything. And then sometimes I'm, I'm really pick and choose because I don't want to. Sh it's not that I don't want to show everything in my life. It's just trying to find that that balance of not overwhelming yourself and seeing everything mm -hmm. as an opportunity for a video, um, which is very difficult sometimes especially alone because at the moment for instance i'm going to be taking um two to three weeks off youtube i'm going to take the rest of october off because mentally i'm just kind of i don't know i'm i'm kind of sometimes i'm not always sure whether to speak about this stuff because people will think i'm being ungrateful and and it's that fine line isn't it of oh you're just a sport brat you don't do anything and but when you do all this stuff alone mentally it is very difficult to think of all of the ideas think of what to film think of what to say the camera angles and driving and trying to film getting the drone up so it's uh it can be very toxic so i feel like for the next two or three weeks already not having that pressure of uploading on sunday for example i have felt my brain feel so much more at ease just mm -hmm. having that pressure taken away and it's not pressure from the audience you know saying upload every sunday it's it's just pressure that when you build a routine and consistency of uploading every week yeah it's just that pressure that's that's always underlying there you know absolutely you apply that pressure to yourself mm. i think it's a huge undertaking what you've done with the you know doing something that would be challenging anyway like a van build and then as you explained adding filming it on top of that and then making filming your life every week uh, a part of your a project a part of your life it's really easy for people who don't understand to underestimate how difficult that is and i think taking a break from it is very healthy and i think lots of creators could you know listening to this will be able to relate to what you're saying and people need to know when to take a break and i think youtube the way youtube set up i mean i don't want to go too much into a rabbit hole of youtube here because <laughs> no, yeah god will be here forever <laughs> yeah exactly but youtube could do a much better job at being less toxic and you know making it clearer for creators to say oh we're on a break yeah. and you know for example have our films like as creators done in seasons so that there's a natural break so people aren't thinking oh where have they gone and then you know the algorithm not punishing people for taking a break for example that's another big one yeah, and yeah, we, yeah. the way tanya and i the way tanya and i have approached our filmmaking we've spoken it spoken about it in a previous episode the filmmaking episode the very reason that we haven't done weekly videos even though from a youtube algorithm point of view that's shooting ourselves in the foot yeah the very reason we haven't is because of how difficult it is and mm -hmm. you know we don't feel like we would be able to do weekly videos and that's just a team of two and we wouldn't be able to do it and and enjoy it at the same time so it's so understandable from our point of view it's, it's exactly that though what you've said for example th this week it's like i'm not doing anything exciting i'm not doing anything that i feel is worthy of me creating a video about it and of course there'll be people that say oh you know you don't need to do anything exciting you just film whatever you're up to but it, it doesn't quite work like that you'd feel like you were forcing it yeah exactly I, i'm forcing situ certain situations and i just don't want to do that i don't want to live for youtube um, I want to, I want to make videos on things that I enjoy when I'm feeling in a good moment and I'm adventuring and traveling. But obviously, yes. life isn't always like that. So when you do upload weekly and then you you don't have weeks or moments where you're doing exciting, adventurous things, it's very difficult to try and 
fill a gap and create something when not particularly feeling creative. Absolutely. And it also, there's another side to it there, like the example with your mum. Yeah, you're off doing something fun. It would have made a great film. But the line then between time off and doing your fun things and work can become very blurry if filming the fun things become the work because then the fun things by default become work so i think like the call you made to not film that is a very brave one because you're right like i'm sure it would be a successful video but at the end of the day having that time with your mum was more important than having a video with a hundred thousand views yeah exactly and what's uh what is even more toxic though is the fact that i didn't film but all my brain could think about was holy crap i've not got a video for sunday um so, you know, obviously, I mean, there wasn't a video on Sunday anyway, and I've accepted that, and now I'm fine with that. And like I say, I feel so, my brain feels so refreshed not having that underlying pressure of, of just accepting to myself, right, I'm going to take a few weeks off. And um, again, I'm, I'm conscious of speaking about all of this stuff only because people will see it as being ungrateful. And don't get me wrong, no. there are perks to, to doing YouTube and being self-employed and the fact that I've got freedom, I can wake up when I want. But there's also especially when you do it solo, there's very difficult moments uh, which can be very mentally challenging and overwhelming at times. Yeah, and I think it's really commendable because ultimately what you're saying and this whole topic is about protecting your mental health and what's so important and, you know, anybody listening, I'm sure they'll be able to relate is you need to set boundaries. Yeah. And that is literally what you've done. You have now reflected. You're incredibly self-aware because you can see what parts of this business, because you are an entrepreneur, YouTube is a business, um, what parts of it are have become toxic and are yeah. seeping into your life and are affecting your mental health. And there's obviously a huge conversation now around mental health. It was uh, World Mental Health uh, the, the this week. Um, and, and, and we need to make sure that it isn't just something that we talk about, you know, every so often. It has to be something that we check in with ourselves all of the time. And that means being able to set boundaries with ourselves, with others, toxic situation, toxic people, um, yeah. treating others with kindness and treating ourselves with kindness. And that's exactly what you're doing. Not uploading to YouTube, despite the fact that a lot of people listening will not be able to relate to this. But what that is for you is, is a form of self-care and respect for yourself and yeah. setting a boundary. And I think mm -hmm. even though the, the, you know, there's many of you listening that will not be able to relate to this exact situation. I think we can all apply that into our lives. It comes back down to the word you were speaking about earlier, which is balance and yeah. to apply that to content creation and work life as well. <laughs> the hardest thing to find in life, balance, honestly. If you know the answer, the key to it, please send it my way because <laughs> I cannot find balance. I find it, yeah impossible at times you know sometimes you think you're in a good routine or you've got a good work-life balance you're you've got a good youtube life balance but then another week it goes down the shitter so uh <laughs> yeah it's uh it's difficult to find sometimes it is a difficult one to find and you can find it you can find it for a little while and then lose it again it's like you've got to constantly you've got to constantly work at it you don't just find it and then hack it and then that's it i think yeah it's just it's self-development it's growth it's yeah. uh it's learning about yourself and know that uh what balance means to you now could be completely different mm. later like you said earlier in your 20s it was you know balance for you i guess and the things that m m gave you um give you 
you like that fire in your belly was to go out and to meet new people and to travel. And now you're in a in a different season of your life. And, I, you know, yeah. Yeah. And and I guess with that, it, it would be great to to hear from you is it at the moment what what is that thing that gives your life meaning what um on reflection if you know of course the answers will will change as um as time passes but right now what is that thing that gives your life meaning uh yeah you're exactly right what you said there that um the thing things have changed and and they do as you get older it's like when i was 19 all i ever wanted to do was just travel the world travel the world travel the world and my friends would always say to me well you can't travel the world forever you're going to be like a 6 year old in a hostel and i thought yeah i don't care that's all i want to do <laughs> um obviously yeah as you get older you realize that you want different things and and right now um i suppose the meaning and the priority for me is creating some sort of structure and routine and putting some foundations in place that for example if i did go away for three six months at a time or whatever i can then come back and mm -hmm. live somewhere permanently and have a base and somewhere to work from and local friends and uh, physical activities like my football and the gym and stuff to to come back to which will kind of give me that balance so it's yeah it's I still love and want the freedom um, of what YouTube and travel and things can give me, but also I, I would like more building blocks and foundations in place that also give me that structure and that routine. Um, I don't know whether I should drop a bombshell because a lot of people know that uh, even a few months ago I applied to the fire service because I thought, Ooh. right, I'm, I'm kind of done with YouTube. I need... I need, I really just wanted structure and routine. Um, anyway, I didn't get into the fire service because it turns out they had over a thousand applicants and 14 positions, which oh is God. just ludicrous. Um, but then the other day, I've also applied to the RAF. So I am looking for like, for other avenues. And it's it's funny because it's from one extreme to another. My friends say to me, well, how can you go from being self-employed and having all this freedom and doing YouTube to going to something like the military which is very much regimented and routine and structure. Yeah. But, um, I, I, again, it's tr it's just trying to find that balance. It's, I wouldn't want to stop YouTube. Maybe it would be a different avenue of videos and you know a different uh, way that I could take the channel. But that's the way that my headspace is at the moment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I go from one extreme to another, um, and I'm trying to to do things and put things in place like fine i don't actually want to live in the van permanently that's not something that i want to do i would rather for example rent um a property with a friend and then come and use the van for videos and as a, as like a little escape mm -hmm. like the van for me was never really something that i intentionally had in mind to actually live in it was more just i have a van i can go and travel when i want you have that freedom um so yeah, it's, uh, there's there's things that I'm working on and things that I'm going through that I'm trying to to figure out. But at the moment, it's very much going with the flow. But at the moment, it's I, I've been banging on about this for months. It's just about routine and structure. And um, like we said earlier, some weeks are good. Some weeks, like last week, are bad, which is why I've decided to um, kind of take the a few weeks off YouTube because when you are uploading every week as especially um it doesn't really allow your mind to focus on maybe other videos that you want to create which take longer than a week mm. so me allowing me to take some time off will give me time to focus on other projects and video ideas and stuff which i haven't really been able to put my mind on thus far that's really interesting about you going in looking into going into the raf because you talk quite a lot about 
about finding balance, but then on the other side, you're talking about going from one extreme to the other. I'm mad, Adam. I'm mad. <laughs> so I guess the question that springs to mind is, would that extreme make you happy? Do you think the extremely regimented side of life? Yeah, I know. Honestly, this is a question I ask myself all the time as well. And I suppose it's one of those, isn't it? It's unless, unless you try it, you don't know. Um, because I'm sure, for example, let's let's say I do go into the RAF, without doubt, I'm going to be complaining and moaning about, oh, I don't have the freedom that I did when I did <laughs> yeah. YouTube. Yeah, So it's, it's catch-22. It's, I don't know. It's the answer to that. I'm just going with it and trying to, to see what happens. But And then the other flip side of that is, you know, I could, could meet someone wherever and, and they want to travel and then I think I would be quite happy doing that. So, yeah. Yeah, don't know. Maybe you could turn a bit of a lost soul, but I have been like that for for a good few years, definitely. I don't think that it's about being a lost soul. I think it's about recognizing that we're all very much multifaceted uh, and multi-passionate mm. people. Um, I definitely could see, and I and I know so many of you listening, you can relate to the fact that you've got the life that you have now, but you could be happy in so many different parallel lives as well. I love being out exploring, hiking in the mountains. And I also love, you know, living in a city and I was incredibly happy and I felt very much fulfilled working in a job that was, you know, 12 hours per day, high stress, high pressure, but working with great teams and it was creative and we'd go out for drinks and, you know, uh, after work and Sometimes it meant like working on the weekends and all of that. And I felt exhilarated by that just as much and it, it, it very different. And I think that it's, I think what you are highlighting is that we shouldn't be putting ourselves in boxes. And what you're doing is you're just exploring different avenues. And what's really interesting is that you're you're not boxing yourself in. You're not saying, well, this is who I am. This is now my identity. And actually, because you're not afraid to pivot to what you want, you're proving that you are not bound by the shackles of YouTube, right? Because otherwise, you wouldn't even be exploring these alternatives alternative jobs you would be like well no I wouldn't I'm not going to be able to 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 make these films if if I get this job or the other and also as an as an identity thing you Mm -hmm. haven't you don't think of yourself as a youtuber and now you have to like wrap your life around that and you see yourself as as you know your will and you can do whatever you want with your life and I think that's that shows a lot of guts to walk away from not that you're necessarily going to walk away and you said you wanted to continue your your youtube but to 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 take such a a u-turn in a way uh and go and do something so completely different it does take guts because the i think most people would grab what you've got and like run with it even though it's not making them happy yeah so for you to as tanya said earlier you're obviously very self-reflective and understand yourself well enough to know that, that wouldn't make you happy. So I think what you're doing shows guts. Well, yeah, what, what you said there is 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 very right. That, but it's it's like anything, isn't it? Unless you try it, you don't really know. I don't know what is 100% going to make me happy, but I know right now. I, it's you know, you always think the grass is greener. I feel like I could be doing other things that will make me happier and a bit more fulfilled. So. Maybe this is something that I should touch on, that with the videos lately, I do feel very unfulfilled. Although in terms of 
numbers and views and income and stuff that's all fine but the things that i'm creating the videos i'm creating like going stealth camping in a supermarket car park that gives me no sense of achievement or purpose or fulfillment and that that's the real thing that um i've probably been lacking for six plus months that there's just no sense of fulfillment and maybe that's where for example the reason i applied to the um the fire service and the raf is those types of jobs where I'm surrounded by people and I can show leadership qualities and skills and be more physically active and stuff. Those are the types of things that I think um, would give me a bit more fulfillment and, and purpose in my days. Well, I, I know from your films, um, it seems that you do have a close relationship with your mom, albeit the fact that, you know, you've you've been apart from her for a while, but, you know, you, you show yourself like chatting to her on the phone. And I always think that... Um, that that parents um they always have you know they they know you very very well and what i would love to know what does your mom think what does she advise because they're the wise ones yeah well this is very interesting because i got an absolute bollocking the other day from my mum <laughs> uh, and i mean an absolute bollocking but because I've been doing what I've been doing now for a long time and I'm at the age where I can make my own decisions and stuff, some, it, you know what, this is so funny because I actually said to my mum, she, so she she gave me an absolute hiding and she said, Will, you need to get your ass into gear pretty much. And I turned around and said to her, Mum, you know what, I actually, I needed to hear that because I haven't heard that for a long time. Hmm. Um, and I, I said to her, God, it's, you know, some things never change, do they? That no matter how old you are, sometimes your your parents and your mum, you know, your mum specifically do know best. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting, though, is my mum, she, she's very proud of what I've done with the YouTube stuff, but she's more regimented and would like me to do more of a, quote unquote, a real proper job. Whereas my dad, on the other hand, is very much, Will, you're still, you're 27, coming up 28, you're still very young, mm -hmm. you're doing well with what you've been doing, go and travel the world and have fun and be a free spirit. So they're very um, opposite in, in terms of what, advice and stuff they've given me um in the past and even up to now um so my mum's kind of more for it that you know she wants me to i suppose settle down and because because i suppose she sees what i'm like um you know when i talk to her and you know i say to her that i'm feeling a bit unfulfilled and lacking purpose and she believes something like the raf or the fire service can give me that fulfillment and purpose and i completely agree to her uh, agree with her um on a lot of those points but then it's as, a, as we keep saying, it's, it's just finding that balance. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because going back to when you were talking about finding the balance, literally just before you said, I've applied to the fire surface, I, it was like I was listening to myself speak because you were saying about how you want to find the balance between traveling, going off and doing the fun things, but then having routes to be able to do stuff more active because there are these, you know, these dual wants you want to be off and be a free spirit but you also want to have a safe space and i thought that you were leading towards somewhere like you know a homestead or something that was uh, yeah. more like okay i've got a homestead that's my little place i'll build that out and then i'll travel and come back because that's what tanya and i are thinking of doing and it's also like, you've probably seen a lot of people in the community have moved from van life to homestead portugal 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 <laughs> yeah portugal portugal yeah. portugal and 
you can really see the attraction as to why that's such an amazing thing to do. And that's where I thought you were leading. So really, it was, as you said, a bombshell when you said about going to the RAF. Yeah, because people probably don't know that that's what's going on in my head. But also with what you and Tanya are thinking of doing in terms of the homestead, that's definitely something that I'm interested in. Um I, I don't know why I put so much emphasis on somebody else, but I feel like that's something that I would do, um, you know, when, when I meet somebody or, and also because of the fact that I don't know where I want to live and stuff. Um, but that idea of having a base to come back to is, is definitely something that I'm trying to, to achieve now. Even if I rent with a friend, for example, or, or rent or a friend buys a place and I rent a room off him um, for a, you know, a cheaper price. That's, that's something that I want is just to have that base, maybe go off doing my adventures and then I can come back to that base, which gives you the routine and the structure. Well, Will, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for being so honest and talking about things that I can imagine are pretty difficult to talk about. Um, I'm very excited to see where your journey leads, whether that be on YouTube or not, traveling or not. I think you've got a very exciting journey ahead of you any single friends let me know single ladies yeah single ladies <laughs> where where that's a good point actually where would the single ladies go to find you will what's your your instagram and youtube <laughs> um uh so uh instagram yeah and youtube is both the same will's whereabouts um, but don't expect a response all the time because i'm not particularly good at my instagram dms i have to admit unless you're a single lady who wants to travel exactly yeah <laughs> 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 um, but yeah thank you so so much I hope we get to meet up face to face in the not too distant future absolutely it's gonna and happen yeah it's gonna happen oh it's got to yeah no I really appreciate you guys um, you know getting me on because uh, actually to be honest it was uh, yeah it was good fun and it, as we said earlier it's nice to talk to people as well that understand it so uh, I've really enjoyed it it's, it's been brilliant so there's just one last thing that we need to do before we let you go and that is you need to pick a code word emoji and that is the emoji that people who have listened this far in the podcast will use to message either you or us to you know kind of show their appreciation or expand on the conversation or just basically let let you know that they've got this far through the podcast i knew i knew this was coming so i've uh, i've come prepared. Oh, you're prepared you're the first Whoa. person to be prepared Whoa. Will. <laughs> I say that though, but actually, I don't know if there's an emoji for this. So, in in my videos or in the past, especially, I've cooked a lot of fajitas. So, if the, is there a fajita emoji or not? I don't think oh, so. No. Tanya's just checking. Okay. I know there's a burrito one, but a taco emoji. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a taco. taco. Okay. There's a taco emoji. We'll go, we'll go for tacos. The taco. Taco. Emoji. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Well, there you go, guys. I love it because no one's going to be able to guess that unless they have committed to this far into the conversation. And um, and for that, we thank you. Thank or you. unless they've cheated and skipped all the way forward to the end to just listen to the code word. No but one would. If you do that, that's cheating and we don't condone that. Yeah. <laughs> and we can see it in the analytics because the spikes where people have been listening. So if you're doing that, we'll catch you. <laughs> thank you very much, Will. You're the best. You have been absolutely, it's, it's been a pleasure. No, my pleasure, and uh, we'll catch up soon, I'm sure. We'll see you backpacking. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye. See you in a bit. Bye-bye.